Hello and welcome to the Fans Edge podcast with your host Joe and the one person that they make the Mandalorians say this isn't the way, Tom. Tom, how are you today? Uh, I'm doing good. It's it's warm still. It's very warm. Yeah. It is very warm. I, I feel you, man. Uh, right. Well, what the podcast is about today? Well, if this if this is your first time listening to Fans Edge, welcome. First of all, uh, this is all about us discussing various different fandoms from gaming through to Star Wars and beyond. Uh, we hope you'll join us on our journey through all things nerdy and all things that we love. Uh, today we're going to be going through the latest gaming releases, the recent Xbox and Ubisoft showcase especially, new Warhammer content and changes to Twitch and more. So stick with us as we go on a journey through many different topics, I think it's fair to say, Tom. Yes, we've got a lot to discuss today. A lot, and I am incredibly excited. Yeah, there's uh, there's definitely some good things in there. Um, why don't you kick us off with some gaming releases? Yeah, so obviously these were the game releases that's going to be outside from the Xbox Showcase or anything um, that's going to be releasing this month, basically. Start us off on the 14th of June, we have an escape room game in the world of Harry Potter, the Wizardry School escape room game. I'm not sure if they're fully affiliated with uh, the Harry Potter and Star Wars brand, but it does mention about the Philosopher's Stone and all that kind of stuff. It's okay. using the, uh, the fonts of uh, Harry Potter by the look of it. So if puzzles and uh, as an escape room sort of game is your thing, then you can go ahead and it's on Steam at the moment. In fact, it's on, as we're recording this, it might not be by the time you're listening to this, it's on sale. Usually roughly £9 is roughly now £7. So you can pick that up right now. The next game is on the 15th. So by the time you're listening to this, again, this would would have been released. It's part beyond uh, a kind of competitor for, is it called Planet Coaster, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. from Frontier. So they haven't really had a competitor, but now they do. Uh, You can pick it up from Steam. It's roughly £40 on there. I think you mentioned to me before, Joe, that there was a a bit mixed reviews. In fact, it's reflected in the reviews on Steam saying it's mixed. You said it wasn't as good from what you've watched or seen on various platforms. I've seen a few videos on it. It's it's a cool concept, and they've they've got this funky feature, which is to impossibilize coasters and, and rides and stuff. Mm. And some of them it looks quite cool, and some of them it's a bit. What was the point? Um, yeah. It's not like you can decide what you do. You just click it, and it happens. So it would be nice to see. I mean, it might be something that they add later on. Maybe it'd be nice to see a little bit more customization in that respect, and and give you as the player a little bit more choice on uh, on what kind of impossible things you you can make your coasters do. Yeah. So that's available. 15th of June also, this is a free-to-play game, and it's called Undawn, which is actually featuring Will Smith. It's free-to-play on mobile and PC, and I found that this was a very strange sort of combination launching it on mobile and launching it on pc via steam it is a zombie survival game um and in fact i downloaded it the other day to have a go because i had a big massive fear that they've just copy and pasted it for pc and haven't really thought about pc and boy was i right it's like they've ported a mobile game onto onto pc it's it 
you can tell from everything. Don't get me wrong, for a mobile game, the character customization is pretty damn good. I've not played a mobile game in a very long time, bear in mind, but still, the character customization is pretty damn good. I must give them that. But the controls, just seeing that they've tried to quickly port it over to PC, and the, oh. gra the graphics aren't entirely great either for a PC title. I wish the uh, the controls were definitely a little less mobile-like and more PC-like. Revamp it, and I might have a, another go at it. 16th of June is the next date. Obviously already out is F1 2023. Not the sort of game I usually play for in, in terms of racing, uh, but I did have a watch at IGN's review of it, and it's in one of the, the better reviewers. I think it's Luke Riley. Um, he's He has had huge praise because obviously we know what IGN are like most of the time. It can be a bit hit or miss. Yeah, but everybody seems to pro uh, praise Luke Riley, and he did this review. Okay. And apparently, the, uh, the controls for... As we know, racing games on a controller sometimes aren't particularly good and are better on a wheel. But he said yeah. the controller gamepad controls for F123 are so much better than previous. In fact, it's the best that they've ever had. So that's oh, wow. good if you want to dive into F123 and use a controller. So that sounds good. And the mo motion capture for the single player kind of story mode looks good mm. as well. That mocap looks good. That's cool. So... That's yeah, definitely good. check that one out. Next of all is on the 20th of June, Aliens Dark Descent. Next version of the Aliens game in the form of Dark Descent. I'm not much of an Aliens player myself, but I'm sure those people that are interested in the franchise might be interested to pick this up. And that's available either on Steam as well. I'm sure it's available elsewhere as well for you console players as well. The final game release before we get to the Xbox Showcase is on the 22nd of June, Final Fantasy 16 has been coming out for those people that like it, a very popular game that a bunch of people like, that's your sort of your thing, that is now going to be released in June. And that's the gaming releases for June. And I'm now incredibly excited to talk about the main spectacle of this podcast, which is the Xbox and Ubisoft Forward Showcase. So, a bunch of these games were announced at these showcases, at these live streams, but also some of the devs did some dev diaries afterwards, so I'm going to be going back and forth between the two. So, it's, uh, it's so strapping, yeah. guys. First of all, the very first trailer that we saw was Fable. Fable isn't a game that I've played before, but I've heard about it. I've heard about it. You know, I've heard people comment about it on social media and all that kind of stuff. So I know loads of people are fans. Uh, so we got a, a beautifully, amazingly looking uh, cinematic trailer with UK's own Richard ARD, who is, of course, Moss from IT Crowd, which everybody seems to know, obviously, in the UK, a show that everybody's basically seen. And he is involved, which is very, very interesting. And it's good to see him in a in a video game. So he plays Dave the Vegetable Enthusiast in that trailer, which is quite interesting. And this game is developed by Playground Games. And you're probably thinking to me, wait a minute, Tom, uh, don't they make Forza Horizon? Yes, they do. They have made Forza Horizon series since Forza Horizon 1 and basically nothing else. So obviously they have a separate team working, they have a Fable team working on it. 
So you might think, are they are they up for the challenge? Going from a racing game to what's effectively a fantasy RPG? Am I correct yep. on that genre? Yeah. Yeah, fantasy RPG definitely. Yeah. Yep. So I think they're more than capable of doing it. I mean, if you look at every single Forza, even just the trailers for Forza Horizon, they're pretty damn good. They're very good, and you can you can see that in the Fable trailer. It's a very good trailer. I do think it'll be interesting to see how they handle this. If they've always done Forza before, Forza, yeah, I agree with you. Forza Horizon is fantastic. It will be interesting to see how they take this on, though. It's a very different kind of game for them to approach. Yeah. The, the classic Fable games have always been fan favourites. Uh, they're just quite fun, chill games. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they keep that kind of atmosphere and they, they do this series justice. Yeah, I, I think it is good for Playground because it kind of expands their kind of portfolio horizon. But yeah. I, th- I think they know that there's so much pressure on them because obviously their only other portfolio are five racing games that everybody loves anyway. But this is a completely different kettle of fish. This is a different genre with a completely yeah. different play style to a racing game so i'm interested to see how it turns out and there has been a bit of controversy with this because everybody's saying oh it's a female character that doesn't look attractive and people are up in arms in it i don't know if you've heard about this joe but like i have not but it doesn't um, surprise me it's always the case people have been saying people that have played the previous whale games are saying well, you don't have to play as as a female because in past fail games you can choose your 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 gender. Yeah, some level of character customization has always been in the game. Oh, yeah. So yeah, it, I mean it will be interesting to see what they put out, but it's it feels like one of those points that people argue because they can argue. That's not going to be a problem. Lump it like yeah. yeah. I mean it's it, there will be some of those people that are out there that will just refuse to play something because of a particular because you're forced in a specific whether it's a character or a gender or whatever it is there will yeah. be those people out there i mean it's a cinematic uh, it's the first thing we've we had a teaser i think it was last year or two years ago at e3 and well it wasn't much but now you've got some sort of context to the world that they're creating now um, mm. this new new fable game so you know yes they had to include some sort of character didn't they so it's either gonna be a male or it's gonna be a female really isn't it you know so it's a cinematic we're, we're waiting for, for for gameplay so what it showcased was a longsword weapon and we got some action with that uh, we've got a battle against bandits. From what I could tell when I kind of freeze-framed the cinematic trailer, we also got a Molotov throw as well, with oh, some yeah. sword action. Um, so that was quite fun to kind of see in that cinematic kind of esque vibe. Joint Veg, which to me just got got, got me Wallace and Gromit vibes, really, uh, with all the giant vegetables. Obviously, this trailer was more focusing on Dave, the vegetable enthusiast, so I, w- I would expect the... <laughs> What was it? It was huge. Was it pumpkins? I think. Yes, um, I think it was. And obviously, there's the inclusion of mythical tre- uh, creatures as well, because it was it was how the cinematic went. Was it was just uh, a it was an interview with Dave saying, "Oh yeah, what what's your opinion about heroes?" Oh, uh, I yeah, I think heroes are past. I think it's time for the vegetable, basically. And I thought what was quite cool at the end, the kind of twist was, well, Dave is. Dave is a giant, 
and very Jack and the Beanstalk vibes as well. Definitely um, what I got from it. Yeah. Do you know what though? I like that that's the direction they took with the trailer. I feel like Fable's always been a little bit tongue-in-cheek. So yeah, it's, it's definitely kind of captured that for me anyway. I um, think it, it's excited. as someone that hasn't really been interested in the series or never really played it, it's got me intrigued a little bit because of because of that trailer a little bit. You know, the humour in the trailer I quite liked as well. It's quite funny. So yeah, at the moment there's no release date, so we don't know when it's going to be released. It might be 2024 or it might be 2025. We don't know when um, or how far Playboy Games have got in the development cycle so far. But definitely big shoes to uh, to fill since it was Lionhead Studios, wasn't it, that did the other fables? If I remember yes. correctly. Yes. So that is Fable. Moving on to to a game that we knew we technically knew about, but we didn't know about it at the same time. We knew that the studio, which is Massive Entertainment, so when Massive Entertainment appeared with this logo on the screen, I was thinking, oh, and then I thought, wait a minute. Massive is a Ubisoft uh, um, <laughs> studio. Why is it appearing on Xbox? And you'll find out later on why. But um, I was thinking, wait a minute, what are they doing? And then we had a shot of a Star Destroyer because they are making the brand new Star Wars game called Star Wars Outlaws. And I am incredibly excited. In fact, out of all the games that came out, apart from Fable, I kind of knew about their existence. This one didn't. Hence, why it kind of got a bit of a, a bit of a, a, a bit of a, how, how do I describe this? Fangirl scream out? I was like, oh, oh no way. I know exactly what you mean. I yeah. know exactly what you mean. I did the exact same thing. I started watching the trailer. I was like, oh, in fact, oh, in fact, I mean, I gasp at Massive Entertainment because I'm a massive fan of the Division series. I love that series. Um, yeah third person kind of cover to cover shooter they've done a really good job and they're continuing to even now they're continuing to do updates and seasons and all that kind of stuff which is cool as well so i'm thinking you know i am a fan of this studio what they're going to do with a star wars game and my goodness it looks damn good because it's using of course ubisoft's a massive's snowdrop engine which looks incredible it looked incredible years ago even with the division one and it looks even better in a star wars kind of setting so by the name of star wars outlaws it's scoundrels that's what the focus is it is in the empire era it is female-led again people aren't happy about that but what can you do and it follows Kay Vess, and she is a wanted scoundrel, wanting not to look over her shoulder, and she's wanted by the Empire, and she has a bounty on her head, so everybody's looking for her. And the initial reaction that I got was, it's a heist, because we saw a view of a vault door. I don't know if you got that vibe as well, Joe, when you first saw the trailer. I was like, yep, it's definitely going to be a heist, isn't it? Yeah, a, a little bit. I can certainly see where you're going with that. Yeah, yeah, because I, I kind of saw, we kind of saw that part of the the vault door opening and her and her little adorable little pet uh, peeking through, which we're going to talk about later as well. And we've got involvement from the pikes as well, obviously. It'd be uh, nice to see the pikes get more. Uh, yeah, but screen they've, time, but. they've definitely got more over the last few years. Obviously, they've appeared in Clone Wars. They've appeared in Rebels. They've appeared yep. in Mandalore. No, Book of Boba Fett, actually. Book of Boba, yeah. Yeah. 
uh, and now and now and now a video game. And then we had a shot of a carbon freeze, which everybody's gonna assume Han Solo. Han Solo carbon freeze. But we can't actually confirm, I don't think, with the shot that we got. We got the side-on shot of the carbonite uh, container. We don't know if that is Han Solo or it's somebody else in Carbon Freeze, because as we know, with Bounty Hunters, and particularly this is going to be probably a very Bounty Hunter-focused game because it's to do with scoundrels and outlaws and all that kind of stuff, it might be just somebody else, because as we know from The Mandalorian, Din Djarin had loads of Carbon Freeze um, machines at his disposal for collecting those bounties. So, obviously, the stereotypical kind of image, we automatically think Han Solo, we think... You know, but I also think they put that in just to confirm the era and where it's set because I think it is in between Empire Strikes Back and Jedi um, Return of the Jedi, which I think was confirmed by the devs as well, if I remember okay. correctly. So I, I didn't see that. That's cool. That's the sort of kind of time frame that we're looking at here, which is quite interesting. We have an adorable little pet and companion as well. Everybody is like, I've only seen this thing for five minutes, but I already want to protect it with my life. <laughs> And it is going to be basically your companion throughout the game, which is really, really interesting. What I found really, really, my, I think one of my, my next big kind of things that I was actually excited to see. We have a reprogrammed commando droid with a trench coat. I love How it. goddamn cool is that? He is a fancy lad. <laughs> I, might... I love it. I think it's a great look for the commando droid. I love that we're getting a commando droid in it as well. Um, oh, yeah. It's going to be so cool. It's yeah, just oof, wow. Yeah, so we've got that, and the thing that I put originally when I saw that trailer, I was going to talk about more about Star Wars Outlaws a little bit later, is about the is he going to be a companion or is he just uh, a character that we just see every so often in some cutscenes and stuff? Because uh, the one thing that got me was when. Kay and the uh, commander droid were, I think, sneaking around. Uh, and I think you know what scene I'm talking about in the cinematic, Joe, when I say that they're yeah. kind of sneaking around with each other. And I'm thinking, I thought, is that a companion? Or, you know, do we get two companions in this? Like, do we get our little pet and the commander droid? I'm not sure. So I I'm going to have to wait and see. I hope the BX commander droid ends up being a companion. Hmm. But I don't know if they will i mm. think we're i mean i'm i'm saying it now I, i'm going to be happy to be proven wrong but i think it's just going to be the little pet thing that we get yeah. with us and even if it is i'm not too mad about that so you know because it's adorable anyway um one of the next yeah. things we saw was a, a speeder bike fight which is pretty cool so Kay kind of using her blaster skills as well as driving at high speed on 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 the speeder bike so that was quite cool to see turn of yet again a rancor in, in a video game obviously we've seen it in both both was it in fallen order no oh i'm not sure i don't think so hmm no i don't think it was actually but regardless, it's been in. It's now in a, another kind of uh, Star Wars game now, so we can potentially fight her rancor again. So that's quite good. Uh, the next thing I I noticed, in fact, it's one of the very first scenes that you see, and, and there's a, a scene later on in this cinematic. There's a rebel involvement. So we see rebel transports, we see X-wings, we see I think one of the transports actually crash and explode into uh, a star destroyer. But more importantly of all is we see. Vess in her ship fighting with the rebels so i think there's going to be some sort of rebel connection or she joins the rebels in some sort of fashion whether it's to do with a, a mutual agreement or um 
she actually is convinced that uh, yeah she actually wants to in fact it might be her best way out of her her bounty and because she's wanted by the empire so there might be some sort of narrative to do with that not sure what you think joe yeah i mean i don't know if this is an unpopular opinion but i kind of hope that she doesn't get involved with the rebels um i know that the rebellion exists and it's very fitting for the time period that it's set in as well but the rebellion exists on bringing together various cells and, and individuals and yeah. bringing them all together to face the might of the empire but i hope that kves sticks with this idea of you know she's a scoundrel she's out for herself she's just trying to get by and I hope it kind of sticks with that rather than taking a side with the Rebels because I feel like that happens a lot in games. It'd be nice someone who maybe their interests align, but they're like, I just want to do my own thing. Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, you know, we've, see, we've seen this so many times before, but also a mutual agreement can, can be, uh, could be also beneficial for, for both of them. Because I mean, what's she called from Star Wars Battlefront 2 campaign? Oh, yeah she aligned herself with the rebels and then obviously eventually joined but it's that same sort of kind of thing isn't it because i think yeah at the start that vibe when you were playing her you know you you didn't think that she was going to join them but because there was some sort of mutual agreement because obviously they were mm. enemies and then they were mutuals and then they're they're allies so i'm interested to see about that so for those people that watched the the live stream live this is a thing that wasn't that didn't appear at the end of if you're if you're watching it as a video on youtube you wouldn't have seen this because i i checked and it doesn't appear at the end but on the showcase what it said at the end is tune into ubisoft forward showcase for the gameplay trailer so that was i was like okay i'm definitely watching the ubisoft uh, forward now because they're gonna show us not only only showing us an announcement trailer with a cinematic they're showing us a gameplay trailer and this game is coming out in 2024 we've got a year to wait for this thing and i want it now <laughs> i want it yeah, now see, i'm i'm okay on the wait because i'm still playing survivor yeah i've yeah. got some star wars fix at the moment to keep me going but yeah, I imagine as soon as I finish that, I'm going to be in the same boat as you. I'm going to want it. Just yeah. want to play the thing. It looks really good so far. Even the gameplay trailer, which we're going to talk about later on as well, because we've got some more details about Outlaws. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later when we get to the Ubisoft showcase elements. Now, there an, is another game that I mentioned in last month's podcast. And, well, I mentioned about the fact that we will be getting some more information come summer which, of course, was in relation to Payday 3. Not only have we got a gameplay trailer, which is incredibly exciting, but we have a release date of September 21st, 2023. Now, we knew Payday 3 was going to be this year, and I am I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours in Payday 2, and I am incredibly excited for the new iteration. That is Payday 3. So, this is on xbox showcase it's also going to be added for the first time on game pass so if you have game pass you'll be able to get this day one on steam at the moment by the way you can pre-order it and it is 34 pounds 99 which is relatively cheap for a brand new game wouldn't you agree yeah looking at the prices of a lot of games that come out now it's probably 10 15 quid things out there that's that's quite a surprise yeah payday 2 was quite cheap even when it was like full full price obviously now the price has obviously gone down because years and years and years have gone past that payday 2 has been out 
but I, I I think it was roughly that price when it came out anyway. So, you know, that, that's interesting to see. And they have different tiers now, because obviously uh, the different tiered kind of uh, purchasing, obviously $34.99 is obviously the uh, least amount um, the standard edition, basically. That's what I. That's the word I was looking for. The standard edition. Yeah. But yeah, but I mean, yeah. most standard editions nowadays are, are near enough fifty quid, maybe I mean, even more. I in mean, some cases. the gold edition's eighty quid. So, and the silver edition's sixty quid, which is equivalent to what we would actually expect to pay. So, I don't think the pricing for Payday Three is is actually too bad. No. I'm going to get into the different editions and what you get and all that later on. So, the trailer. This lovely gameplay and cinematic trailer looked very, very good. Have you watched it, Joe? I don't know if you've watched it. Have you? No, I haven't. Oh, I yeah, never really okay. got into Play-Doh, unfortunately. Okay. Well, it appears that Dallas has a new actor. So, the old actor, Eric Et... Et- Barry, I believe that's the pronunciation. Who knows? I'm bad at pronunciating people's names might be working we mentioned this last month as well that he might be working on the live action instead of being featured in payday 3 because it definitely looks like it's a different actor but he sounds very similar basically the same but it's a shame that the original actor isn't working on payday 3 because the entire payday community we love him to pieces we do but i i do think he's working on live action i do think that because i think after payday 3 all that kind of stuff this trailer came out he actually tweeted out saying yeah uh, i'm not i'm not dallas in, in payday anymore which was which was a bit of a shame so we're in the new york streets obviously we've been in new york as a setting in payday before but this is now primarily their kind of residence for those people that are unfamiliar with the story of payday they all retired at the end of the game in their original location and obviously they're being brought out of retirement and being sent to new york so i'm interested to see what the narrative's going to be so that's going to be cool so another detail from that trailer was the scb bank it's got a new look has the banks um it's a new name it's not what we're kind of used to in um, in the payday for the the classic kind of bank heist that you have so to me it's a bit of a breath of fresh air it seems new it seems fresh it seems really quite good but one of the first things that we see is we, we we've got frying the camera via a phone without drawing weapons this is a new thing because for those people that are unaware of how this works is usually to be able to interact with any any equipment you have to put your mask on which means drawing weapons and all that kind of stuff which will obviously get you alerted and all that kind of stuff so you i think there's more kind of stealthy elements of bringing out a phone a small kind of emping the cameras in the bank so that's a kind of fun little new feature that's going to be quite good to bring again some fresh air to the gameplay element the next thing was a red pistol weapon customization um, i'm hoping it'll be a little bit better than payday 2 now the one thing that loads of people are talking about is the taking the hostages in the meat shield grab kind of element and this kind of element, it looked like it was a trade with police at the start, actually. It was a guard that you just sent out the, the front door, and it seemed that you were you were going to be trading, which I'm obviously going to be talking about the dev diary a little bit later as well. Now, talking about equipment, as briefly mentioned, it we, it looks like we have a new piece of equipment. Now, we're, we are familiar with a sentry gun. It's a piece of equipment that we've, we've had before in Payday. But we haven't had a tripod mounted sentry gun before. 
So this was interesting because this kind of was on one singular axis and kind of spiraled itself up in the different stages. So I think it might be a bit more flexible than what we had before. Uh, the other one I think was a bit more grounded on where you placed it. But we're going to see because for those that don't know, this is a brand new engine for the Payday series. We're going from the diesel engine to unreal engine so as a payday fan you know i automatically have this this you know my expectations already been met because the diesel engine is just dated so it's quite nice seeing all these the graphics having a big step up um and seeing all these things like having more animations so hand goes up after an explosion which you would do to shield your eyes or to shield yep. it from any kind of um, shrapnel or whatever so that's a kind of a, a nice, subtle addition, which is nice to have. What's also nice to have is a slide animation. We haven't had a slide animation in, in Payday before, but now we're getting one and it looks good. We're also getting a vaulting animation as well. So we can vault over uh, walls and stuff. And when you're seeing somebody else do it, it'll actually be a proper animation instead of basically just jumping over these obstacles. The one thing that was also very interesting to see was Dropped ammo. When you basically kill a guard or kill an enemy, what maybe it's a swapped a swapped type or whatever, it drops the magazines in what you would you would generally what it would look like in real life. So the little packets that you get them in. Shotgun shells all neat in a little box. That's what it would drop in payday two. Okay. But this was different because it was a green ammo box, like an actual box. And what was actually very interesting was it seemed to have its own physics because when an explosion or grenade or whatever it was, I can't quite remember what happened. When something like that happened, the ammo actually moved with that explosion blast. Oh, so okay. instead of staying stationary on the ground, it's actually got its own physics, which is, an, again, a nice kind of thing to have. A little subtle kind of immersion kind of thing. Uh, what we do notice is a returning, either a returning or a new skill. I can't remember. There are so many skills in Payday with Skill Tree that I can't remember if this is an actual skill or not. But we see a double barrel shotgun shoot three times. So I think that's going to be a new skill that we get and not just some sort of uh, glitch with it. Because we know yeah. pay Payday is kind of... It has that realism, but it has that kind of quirky kind of comedy in it as well. You know, if you've been in Payday the last couple of years, you'll know we had the um, a melee weapon of the incredibly gigantic metal spoon and a gigantic golden metal spoon as well, which was quite cool just to whip out and just smack on the head of guards just to kill them. So it's, you know, it goes a bit kind of comical at times. So we know that. So skills like these, like shooting three times with a double barrel shotgun, you know, that's obviously going to be through the skill tree. The next thing that I noticed was there was an AI police upgrade. Usually when they have people with a riot shield, they don't tend to run. We saw one running with a shield rather than walking. And it also made me think, are we going to be getting police that actually flank you? Which we obviously we don't get at the moment. I think that would be quite good oh. to up that kind of difficulty. Because obviously they, they more come at you front on rather than try to flank you. Um, oh, that makes things feel a lot more alive. Yeah. Obviously there were kind of spawn points that they would take through. So theoretically you could get flanked in Payday 2. You know, if you take the, the classic bank heist or... the 
the bank heist that everybody kind of starts with the very first heist that you tend to tend to go yeah. on it's got a back door and it's got a front door and all that kind of stuff and once you've opened that up you know they can come in from any of these doors so theoretically depending on where you are you would be flanked but i think maybe the ai is then programmed now to actually flank you no matter what so i think that would be pretty cool to see if that is a thing another thing is we have the return of cloakers so if you're unfamiliar with payday cloakers are the little guys with night vision that are ninjas and drop kick you to the floor and then smack you with their batons once you're downed they are annoying because uh, they run at you at extreme speed and knock you off your feet but uh, apparently this i didn't play payday the heist the very first payday game but apparently this was a thing then and it's returning they can now wall run if cloakers weren't terrifying enough they can now wall run would you like some difficulty with your difficulty <laughs> yes exactly they can now wall run which we see in the trailer as well uh, again i found some other subtle things there's water physics and textures uh, affects the environment i think i remember seeing some water actually drenching the the carpet there was like this kind of leak and it was going down onto the carpet and it was actually soaking the carpet and there was all this kind of reflections and stuff so that was pretty good as well as that bullets are actually properly damaging the environment by the look of it we had bullet holes in walls before but i think it actually properly chips off as well this time so again they've definitely done some improvements into the environment one of the complaints about the payday series was when we had police having riot shields up we couldn't really take them down unless we try to flank them but if you flank them they would actually turn around and face you they would try to face you at all times so you had to be really quick trying to get around them and then shoot them but now there appears to be a hole in the riot shields so we can actually take them down a little bit easier something else that's new a shock grenade I know at the end of Payday 2 kind of life cycle, I mean, they're still doing updates, by the way, despite them announcing Payday 3, but they're still supporting Payday 2 a little bit, obviously, until that point. But we know that there was a bit more of an emphasis on shock tactics using electric shocks from various types of equipment. But it seems we have a shock grenade in the works as well. Pretty cool. Talking of shocking, new taser. The taser enemy, incredibly annoying, as we know, because it electrocutes you and then your bullets go flying everywhere as it would with the recoil but there's a hand of redesign so it's got green gloves with a green device on the side of his hip and what we actually see is it electrocutes everything in the area if you shoot that little device on its hip so even you oh. so you get shocked it gets shocked and everything around it gets this big electric shock kind of thing so the the, the device on his hip is actually new it's not been it's not been a thing in payday before and more importantly we can shoot it to basically take him down and immobilize basically everybody even yourself if you're too close i i assume it's going to be a proximity sort of thing is that oh how many people are going to make that mistake <laughs> yeah they're going to go too close shoot it the electrocute itself but also the taser has been electrocuted at the same time so you're kind of even but not only that we both have done some gta 5 rp in the past so we kind of know a little bit more than the the casual normal person how tasers work it actually has taser prongs connecting you both this time so oh that's good tasers were very annoying payday too because there wasn't that connection um there was a very big distance that they could tase you from and mm. sometimes you couldn't even tell where you were being tased from and i think this will definitely kind of close that gap of exactly where you're being tased from um, and be able to react a lot quicker about it 
Um, yeah. So I think that's going to be a lot better from a gameplay kind of point of view. Also, we, we have a look at the downed animation. It looks to be improved. It looks good. That's cool. One of the equipments that you have as well is a medic bag. Can now be thrown, and it looks like it's had a revamped model as well which I would expect when moving game engines here. So everything's basically getting a revamp model. So that's cool. And we're getting, we, we got a shot at a thermal site as well. It was a blue thermal scope, in fact. So it looked kind of, it had that kind of realistic vibe, but then they've slapped payday, the payday comical and kind of a little bit silly on top uh, by doing that as well. So instead of seeing an outline of somebody, it looks like a target practice cardboard cutout instead. So that looks quite cool. And it also appears that there is a new unit type, gas grenades. So we've got a unit that is strapped on his chest with all these gas grenades. And if you shoot him in those gas grenades, he explodes in a, in a gas cloud, um, which is a cool feature to have. Quite realistic, if you think about mm. it. And near the end of the trailer, we get a phone appears again with some sort of... We don't really know what this is. We think it's an another hack, or do we call in our own escape when we want? Um, because we do see the chopper in literally the next shot. So I think, because how it worked before is, it was scripted when the chopper would arrive. So you'd have to wait a certain amount of minutes. It would land in a, a specific location or one of one of maybe three locations, and then you'd go to it. I think this time we've got a bit more control of how long we want to stay out or when we want an evac or, you know, sometimes we got helicopter to stash bags of loot in to then be taken away again. So if we have that more control, I think that's going to be so much good for everybody else for for the experience of the game. Now, next of all is the most one of the most difficult enemies, the bulldozer. Uh, this time we see him with a drum mag shotgun. We haven't seen him with a drum mag shotgun before. We've seen him with a shotgun, we've seen him with a minigun and all these kind of things, but we've never seen him with a drum mag before as far as I know. So it's going to be packed with even more punch by the seams of it. And something that's brand new, usually this guy is of is basically a juggernaut. He's very very heavy armor it's very slow the visor is the weak spot so we all shoot that to get rid of him but he was very slow he was walks towards you slowly menacingly because he would be usually carrying a minigun or something quite big that would do immense amounts of damage to you but he's got a charge attack he can run at you now and i think that's going to be terrifying it sounds terrifying oh yeah that's basically the trailer uh pre-orders are available as i've said so 34.99 for the base 59.99 for silver edition and 79.99 for gold edition so what you get in the base edition so the trifectal loot bag pre-order bonus is what you get with the base game and that's it so it's basically some cosmetics that's what you get for the silver you get the base game you get the trifectal loot bag pre-order same as base so everything with base plus a dark selling mask and three days early access plus a six month season pass which includes two heists Tail packs, weapon packs, and this is a confirmation. They didn't confirm this in a dev diary or anything like this. When you go on the Steam page, it says you, what you get with each edition. So there's going to be a season pass in Payday, which is going to be completely new. Good idea, I think so, for Payday, particularly when it comes to heists. It means if you have the season pass, you basically get them for free, but you're paying in advance and for a little less money. Now, if you have the gold edition, you get everything that the silver edition has, plus golden slate gloves, skull of liberty mask, which, yes, is inspired by the Statue of Liberty. And instead of six months 
Baptism Bash, you get an year, which means you get four heists instead of two. You know, yes, I'm assuming you can buy the Season Pass later, and all the rest is basically you can get it three days early if you want to and get some cosmetics with it. And that's all the additions for Payday 3. Now, later on, they did a dev diary, and these are going to be an episode series so they're going to be doing this up to release which is good to see i think when devs do this i think it's a really good to see them um, expanding on what we have and talking on specific topics about the game that we're getting to instead of just doing some trailers they're actually talking about the game and giving us some more details in bite size every so often i think that's really good to have so what did they talk about so they talked about some of the mechanics of basically how stealth would work at the moment it's very linear so st stealth would happen you, depending on the heists, right? Some would be stealth only, some could be stealth optional. But let's say you did go in stealth and you got caught, it would then immediately go to loud. Um, but now they're kind of taking it step by step. So when you're in stealth, it goes from you sneaking around to then what's called search. So instead of the guards just doing their patrols, they will actually be suspicious and start to look for you instead of just doing their patrol routes, which I think is quite interesting. They've also added, obviously for loud, negotiation. If you have hostages, you can simply trade it for, I think it's extra resources or more time. And you can choose if you want to do it at the start of the heist or midway through. And then obviously from that, it would go kind of loud, really. So that's what we kind of see uh, kind of in the in the gameplay cinematic trailer as well. Uh, they've mentioned about more peds and traffic. So traffic used to be just parked cars. There wasn't any moving traffic really in Payday 2. So I, it's good to see that there's going to be more peds. So I think it's good they're kind of taking this immersion and kind of increasing it really. They also mentioned that they're going to move to different locations as the story progresses. Whether that means we get to see some old location from Payday 2, we don't know. Or it just means it's just going to move around basically the, the city area areas of New York uh, a bit more. Maybe I would like to see some, some outskirts and some of the borders of New York as well. That would be quite cool to have. The mentioned the heisters. So you have the original gang plus two additional heisters. They didn't say who the two additional heisters were. Obviously, the original gang is being Wolf, Chains, Dallas and Hoxton. So that's who we get right from the get go from day one. And it's interesting to see who those two additional heisters are. And I'm sure we'll see when they release it. Now, they talked about collaborations as well. Not sure if you know, Joe, but they've done a collaboration with John Wick. So obviously him and oh, okay. um, Sharon is in, in there as well. So Lance Riddick's character was in there. I, I'm not sure if he voiced it, but it sounded very like him. Um, so there's a few John Wick missions in Payday. So they're doing collaborations that way. And they've said as long as the content fits, they will do it. So if it fits the lore, if it fits the, the world of Payday of, of that, they will do any collaborations so i'm i am wanting john wick to return to be fair whether they'll do it i don't know also they did a collaboration with alesso the dj producer alesso with the alesso heist as well not only did he do a piece of music he got his own heist as well and it is my own favorite heist because coincidentally, okay. i like alesso as, a, as an artist i listen to as well so that was uh, really good so i'm hoping we're gonna have along the same caliber of sort of um, collaborations in Payday. So we're going to have to wait and see. They said about launch, saying on the foc they'll focus on the core gameplay, and then they'll... Uh uh, the full gameplay and gang um, and basically the general experience of the game. And then post-launch, anything can happen. Now, that doesn't really actually tell any 
anything because launch could mean the first week, the first few months, and post-launch could mean any time after it. So I'm gonna see I'm gonna see how where they go with what content and what fixes and changes they're gonna have. And what was also interesting to see was um, they mentioned about a bit of lore. So the gang is obviously, this happens after Payday 2, so the gang is older. So whatever happened in Payday 2 will be reflected in Payday 3. So for example, Hoxton, there was a, a whole prison heist to break him out. We broke him out of prison. So there might be reference to that and some other things that happened in Payday 2 story. So that'll be interesting to see what kind of Easter eggs or references they've, they've put in there. So the future Dev Diary episodes have, we have got some topics they're going to talk about. So they're going to talk about platform, combat, art and animation, heists, skills and progression, customization, narrative of sounds, and then of course, launching. I'm assuming launching the game. And that is Payday 3. A lot of information to digest, but all welcome. I think it's uh, Payday 3 is sounding pretty damn good so far. I can tell you're excited. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. Next is Microsoft Flight Simulator 2024. This was a really big surprise because I wasn't expecting a new flight simulator because I swear they said they were going to support it for the next 10 years, but here we are. We're getting scenarios, basically. So what they showcased in this trailer was it was career-focused aircraft activities, which has got me really intrigued. And it's also got me intrigued. Is it a new game? Is it an add-on? I think they have now confirmed it's a brand new game. And I think the reason why they haven't skipped st uh, supporting Flight Simulator 2020 is because I think in order to do these aircraft activities, they need to go onto a new version of an engine, and they can't just switch that with the current game. So what we have, what we see is aerial firefighting, search and rescue, helicopter cargo transport, air ambulance, agricultural aviation, mountain rescue, skydive animation, industrial cargo transport, remote cargo ops, VIP charter service, air racing, glider pilot, scientific research, experimental flight, low altitude training, executive transport service, airship tour, and hot air balloon trips. So they have thought of absolutely everything, haven't they? Yeah, that's a lot of different scenarios. I'm just interested to see, you know, when it comes to 2024, that's the release date they've got for it, is, you know, how involved are you as the pilot? Get, do you get to do some extra things, or is it just literally the piloting? But a lot of this sounds like, I don't know if you've heard or played the game, Joe, Stormworks. I've heard of it, I haven't played it, but... Mm. Stormworks is a game that's a bit of search and rescue. When it when it started, that was the viral game, because right at the start of the trail, we got the aerial firefighting, the search and rescue, the air ambulance, and I was thinking, this looks like, a, you know, a bit of a bit of Stormworks, but... Yeah, I'm quite interested to see. I'm actually interested. I haven't picked up the latest flight simulator, but this has got me really interested in, in, in the new flight sim next year. Yeah, I've never really got into flight sim games myself, but this has definitely got me interested. Yeah. Let's see what they kind of do next year. Mm. Okay. Next of all was Forza Motorsport. Now, this has been a game that I'm excited for, as everybody should know by now. Massive racing person massive car person and therefore this is going to be a pretty big release for me october 10th is its release date we have a release date the first trailer we had the the season of release date and then they removed it because it only said 2023 and then, we, and then we were thinking uh oh what's happened what have they done but yeah so the cars and the feature cars that, that 
that they've said are going to be confirmed, and I think are new, is the Cadillac V-Series Dot R. Now, this is a car that you may not know. It's an endurance LMP car. It's the, one of the ones that is featured in Le Mans. In fact, this was actually in this year's real-life Le Mans earlier in June. So okay. um, it's one of those sort of cars. Um, it's basically the cover car for this game. They also said that they have the Cadillac CT5V Blackwing. So that's basically like a sedan. Uh, it's previously been in Forza Horizon 5, but apart from that, no other game. The brand new Chevrolet Corvette E-Ray and the brand new Chevrolet Corvette C8.R, which is the racing variant of the C8. So we've got some Chevys, some Cadillacs, and coincidentally, uh, for those that don't know, General Motors own both Cadillac and Chevrolet. So obviously General Motors has had a bit of an influence at, at Turn 10 Studios, clearly, for their cover cars. So the tracks that will have been confirmed is the Le Mans track, Eagle Rock Speedway, which we believe is fictional, but based, based on a real life track. And that's as much as we got. Now, talking about the Le Mans track, we have it in Forza Motorsport 7, and it was funny to hear that because obviously Turn 10 might have a different agreement because in all these other sim racing titles, Assetto Corsa, Automobilista 2, all these other sims can't have the track because motorsport games have the official license for it, hence why it's in the sim title R Factor 2. So then I was thinking, well, clearly, does Turn 10 have some sort of different agreements with the Le Mans track? Because obviously it's been for Forza Motorsport 7, as in the new one. So I'm like, hmm, is it because they don't regard Forza Motorsport as a full sim game? Because it is a simcade after all, but... So it got me confused a little bit. But talking of the Le Mans track, before the Xbox Showcase, we got an announcement from Motorsport Games saying we're doing the official Le Mans official game coming out in December 2023, which is quite interesting. Um, it's available on does, Steam. It's available to uh, wishlist, in fact, at the moment as well. Go on, Joe. It does make me wonder about the licensing thing there, because if they're coming out with a, an official Le Mans-focused game, why have they then suddenly decided to sell a license to the Forza team when yeah. they... As you said, they traditionally don't license it out to, to various games. I mean, this um, is this it is seems a, weird. It's unusual for a specific license to be like this. Um, so all the other games can't go and laser scan the track and put it in their own game, unfortunately, which is sad for all the sim racers because it's an iconic track. We love that track. You know, it's it's a really good circuit. In fact, I have the conversion for Forza Motorsport 7 in a set of Corsa as a mod. I, I went on it the other day, in fact. And I've not been on the Le Mans court, the Le Mans course, since I played Project Cars 2, which was a while ago. That was years ago, probably. But yeah, it's interesting to see that because we we know in the sim racing community they have the license, so they do. There's a virtual Le Mans tournament as well as the real life one that happens earlier in the year, and so it okay. can't be it can't be done on iRacing. It can't be done on all these other platforms. It has to be done on R Factor 2. But now this is going to be the official game. But I think this is going to be more of the official World Endurance Championship game. Just like Assetto Corsa Coppizioni is the official GT World Challenge game, which is more GT3, GT4, that sort of kind of thing. This is going to be for all the endurance um, official game. It's, I think it's got that focus. Not Yes, it's called the Le Mans Ultimate, but it's 
I think it's going to have that kind of um, world endurance from the FIA sort of thing, uh, which yeah. includes the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Uh, and obviously, it's going to be developed by Studio 397, which is obviously part of Motorsport Game. So I'm quite interested to see what that happens with. Now, back to Forza Motorsport. So, it also featured an upgrade system similar Forza Horizon 5 and I'm, I'm talking more of the basket element so you can add all your upgrades into basically a basket and pay for them all at the same time this is obviously a thing in Forza Horizon 5 but it hasn't been in the latest Forza Motorsport 7 obviously because you have to buy the upgrades manually all that kind of stuff this kind of adds all the pricing together for your in-game credits and then you buy it so a little bit of easier access um they they also go about customizing the uh, corvette e-ray as well so the e-ray by the look of things had four rear wings it had a wide body pit kit uh, kit some new wheels new rims and the way they're doing the upgrade system now is not actually through credits it's through car points so the more you drive the car you get car points and you spend those car points on upgrades instead of your money so your money is exclusive to buying new cars and new cars only interesting change i must admit but um kind of refreshing because they did say they're revamping everything and we also have car levels as well as um car points so you level up a car by driving it the more you drive it the higher the level it goes and that's how you unlock upgrades and the car level actually states level 50 in in the gameplay trailer so it's quite interesting to kind of see some of the menus in there for the very first time in my opinion the user interface seemed a bit mobile-ish that sort of vibe but i suppose that's that's also in forza Motorsport 7 as well it's it's, it's kind of similar i suppose it's a bit more accessible when it comes to uh, a console but obviously this is an early build it might be completely changed by the time we get it on october 10th so we're gonna see one thing i was interested to see is pit stops Does does it have pit stops now forza motorsport 7 does have pit stops in a sense it's all automated however you just go in the pit lanes and it will take over the car and it will do what it is obviously as a as a sim racer myself i play acc i play a set corsa where we have to manually do everything we have to manually manage our pit stop strategy how much fuel to put in change tires any uh, all that kind of stuff Forza Motorsport 7 does it does it automatically. Obviously, we see a shot, a cinematic shot of a pit stop. I'm wondering if they've expanded pit stops or they've kept it very arcadey. So I'm interested to see if pit stops have got a complete big overhaul. So what we also hear in the trailer is the race engineer interaction. It has been confirmed that they tell you all this information you need, the track, the conditions, the and stuff off track like upgrades and features. So it's going to be more of your race engineer and coach for the entire game which i think is quite interesting you know so you have that consistent person that's telling you all this stuff as well as being your race engineer when you're racing i think that's a really good kind of thing obviously when you're sim racing you, i have an application called crew chief and that's a, an additional application that tells me i also have a spotter you know it, it's better than most of the base games that, that spotters and engineers that that do say stuff in the, in the base game so it's interesting to see how much interaction, how much control we have with the race engineer. And it just makes me think, can they help with race setups or even strategy on the fly? Will they be able to do that? You know, talk in their ear like they would do in real life. And race setups, not everybody is versed in race setups, you know, because they can be incredibly confusing. Or oh, what does this do? What does, you know, what does altering this on the suspension do? What does have negative or positive toe do? I don't know what that does, you know, or all that kind of stuff. You know, so I think it would be good to help 
those people that are a bit more casual to the game with race setups if that's going to be a more kind of thing. They also mentioned about the new fuel system. It distributes weight this time. So the more you drive around a track, the less fuel you'll get, the lighter you'll get the faster you'll go. If you go with a full tank, you're going to be really heavy. There appears to do driver ratings, safer ratings, you know, all that for online. I'm hoping it'll be better. Um, a bit maybe like Gran Turismo, potentially. We'll see. And this okay. is this is going to be priced um, at £70, also on Game Pass. Pre-orders are on Steam. It's, li it's listed on Steam at the moment, but pre-orders aren't open just yet. Now, Forza also did a live stream. They do a monthly live stream and they dived into the single player. So, this is what they said about the single player during this live stream. Accurate simulation, RPG progression, so like an RPG, an RPG progression, interesting. It's going to be called the Builder's Cup, and that's going to change with new content. So the more they add content, this is also going to reflect it as well. So it's all about car building and a progression system. So it's split into different racing series, each have a different story, so it's more focused. So one might be focused on maybe just Porsche or something, or one specific car brand or car culture. It's got its own interest it will introduce you to it all that kind of thing so how single player will work is it will have open practice so this is where you get to find limits to the car and it will just like i mentioned earlier the car level car parts this is where you start upgrading it or the, that level and then there's going to be car mastery so it compares you corner to corner and compares you to your best times it will say if you're, you're doing good or not and that will give okay. car xp which levels up in real time and then that will get you car points to apply upgrades for. And they like calling it a car PG. I quite like that. A car PG. That's a fun term. I like that as well. Yeah. Next of all is challenge the grid. So you can have the challenge that you want. So this is almost like the betting system in Need for Speed Unbound. Um, so it affects your payout. So the minimum payout um, and the first to third place winnings. So you can place yourself anywhere in the grid. And basically it's a... You know, you get more winnings if you get there, if you don't, or the higher the grid or not. Um, there's a podium bonus, and it will give you a range of a projected finish. Um, so it's kind of a risk versus reward balance. I think this is an alternative to doing qualifying. Personally, as a more of a sim racer, I prefer the actually qualifying and fastest lap gets pole, and you go down the grid that way. But this is, a, I suppose, a bit more RPG, a bit more fun in a way. And what you can change is the AI difficulty, the racing rules, and the damage settings. So, the AI we saw, we only show, I believe it went from 1 to 10, but it only actually shows in, in, in the gameplay that they had was 4 to 8. But you could go lower okay. or higher. 1 is slower, 10 is higher. Uh, 4 has an AI difficulty bonus of plus 20% credits. And then there's rule set. So you have club, which is plus 4%. Uh, this is obviously credits. Sport is plus 7.5% and there's Expert, which is 12%. So Club has cosmetic damage only, Rewind on, and lenient penalties. Sport has simulated fuel and tires, Rewind on, and moderate penalties. And simulated damage, fuel and tires, Rewind off, and strip penalties for Expert. Which is probably the one that I will be going for because I like more that sim uh, side of it than the... But for those people that want a bit more casual experience, um, I'm sure you can go with the lower ones but it made me ask the question what's the definition of these penalties they're very vague aren't they lenient penalties moderate penalties strip penalties what do they mean i want to know what they exactly mean and of course the ai skill and rule bonuses are then added together to give your 
proper bonuses. So that's the breakdown of the difficulty levels. They then went on to say about the field of drive Tarzan will include your friends and their cars and liveries, which is constantly updated. Good to know. And the AI will be as fast as the fastest driver from Forza Motorsport without cheats. Uh, this is obviously similar to GT7. They've also obviously done some really good testing. They've taken their very best drivers from GT7 and made AI as good as them. So you can have a really good challenge. They mentioned about 48 times fidelity in the new time model. Um, they've mentioned this before, but it's just a re reiteration. They've rebuilt the suspension, weight, error modding. And after a race, you get a chance to build your car. So can level up and unlock rewards which tend to be car parts and you also get driver xp uh, and that reflects driver level uh, credits earned all that kind of thing they also mentioned about there's a new mp mode uh, multiplier modes so we knew about this already as well we don't know what it is i'm sure we'll we'll know later there's gonna be rivals time attack and free play then they did a live stream interview after all this. So cars and upgrades are earned apart from things like car pass. The car pass is the, the one that you get 30 cars for free, basically. So there's no microtransactions in that way. Good. They're going to be adding content over time. Uh, progression is stored on the server. There are options for offline, uh, but progression will be required to go online. And the car mastery is on every mode in the game. So it doesn't matter what mode you're in, even on multiplayer you get those kind of the car XP, basically, which is quite good. At the moment, max level for cars is 50. Uh, parts aren't unlocked, um, aren't locked, sorry, at level 50. They might increase that level cap later on. They also mentioned some, some more aspects. Um, you get to start slower to faster cars. This is something that everybody wants. Start with a, you know, a hatchback and then work your way up to a, to a hypercar. I'm hoping it's going to be a bit more like that. What they also did say in uh, in this interview was the race engineer didn't sound like it normally would. It was only done that for the trailer to be a bit more hyped, which I kind of get from trailer editing. It's what, you know, you try and kind of hype it up. So yeah, and there will be options to dial in or out that race engineer. Uh, and they also said the Builders Cup is a tour. When you finish all the series in that tour, you unlock a special reward car, and it's the only way to get that car. And I think that's a good way of going forward instead of these microtransactions and cutting corners. I think that's a good way to do content. Yeah, I like that as an idea. Yeah, uh, It'll be interesting to see if there's any kind of um, tips for building your cars. So I know you've mentioned that there's a lot of emphasis on building a car rather than just buying one. Yeah, uh, I know certainly for me as like a casual player, I know there's a lot of people out there that will be like that. I mean, whenever I've played a racing game in the past, I don't end up tuning the car. I don't play with any of them settings because I have no yeah. idea what I'm doing. Yeah. It'll be nice to see if there's some kind of help for, for players, or more casual players at least, uh, on how to maybe not get the best car, but at least get something that is reasonable, you know? Yeah, yeah. And they ended that live stream kind of with some community questions uh, that some of the, the chat were asking. And they also unveiled some two new cars. So the 2023 Lotus Emira and the 2020 Automobile Pinafornia Bastita. I've butchered that completely. Um, <laughs> I don't <laughs> See, Can you pronounce that? Can you normally pronounce that? You, but I've never heard of it before, so... No, it looks it. very similar to a Lotus. It does look a car. It's a car I've never seen before either. Uh, you know, I was like, what? Okay, cool. Um, so to answer the the QE questions, um, so you can choose your own home space up to four cars. So obviously in the background, you kind of have your kind of garage. 
but you can choose up to four cars which are kind of featured on the kind of home screen and stuff um there is going to be wheel support more details are going to be later there will be a maximum of 24 cars in a race and credits are exclusive to buying cars car points are already or car upgrades that's what they definitely confirmed there future topics they're going to talk about driver ai machine learning car and track reveals free play Forza race regulations pc features and specs featured multiplier and wheel um, and uh, accessory support all that to come and that is forza motorsport and we're going to be moving on to starfield a space game i'm interested in now Thanks to the 45-minute Starfield Direct, we have a release date of September 6th. It's actually got me considering Starfield. When it was announced last uh, last year and we had some gameplay, I was like, nah. But after this, oh, yes, please. What do you think? Yeah, this is one I'm very excited about. I'm, I'm down myself now. This is the one that's made by the Bethesda. same team as the yeah, Bethesda, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Skyrim is something that I love. Um, I never managed to get into Fallout, but I've seen a lot of things in it and it looks incredible. I know from my own experiences that Bethesda is very good at storytelling, yeah. uh, which is a, a big selling point for me in games that I play. And Starfield, I'm confident that we're going to get something, I mean, just, just amazing. Uh, we're going to get that classic Bethesda storytelling, uh, which, yes, is amazing, but also has some funny quirks that we all love. I mean, we've all seen the memes about Skyrim. Yeah. And all the things that break with it but it's still a good game that's why we keep coming back to it and uh, i'm confident that starfield is going to deliver the same kind of uh same kind of experience in terms of that that world building storytelling and adventure uh, and that's i mean that's what i love from bethesda games so yeah definitely very excited about this yeah definitely uh, i know lots of people have been comparing it with star citizen but you can't really compare the two because star citizen well doesn't have the 25 years in the making that Bethesda does. I think Star Citizen has been under development for what more ten years now. Yes, Star Citizen has been more public. Bethesda hasn't. That's granted if they, they aren't lying through their teeth. Uh, if they have started making it since basically Skyrim, which you know, do you know what? Uh, I think they have been. But again, Star Citizen and uh, there's there a lot of crossover. Star Citizen does a lot of stuff that that um, Starfield does, but there's also stuff that. Star Citizen does that Starfield doesn't. But there's also stuff that Starfield does that Star Citizen doesn't or doesn't do yet, which is quite I mean, exciting. This is part of the reason why I want Starfield, because there's that big crossover between these two games. But also, Star Citizen has two games. We've got Squadron 42 single player and we've got the MMO, which is incredibly difficult to do. And I think they're doing a good job so far, considering all they're, they're doing. To me, this whole argument boils down to, or, or the, the way I try to look at it at least is you know you have call of duty and battlefield yeah they're both shooter games that exist in the same universe i mean you used to have yeah. medal of honor as well yeah you know you've got these shooter games that exist in the same universe but they're they're different takes on that kind of game I, I guess is the best way to put it and yet they're still both good games we still play and enjoy both of these games i don't see why having multiple games that touch on the same kind of idea is a problem yeah. i mean i guess i know there's always been the the, the wars of various different games and consoles and so on and so forth you know and there will be people that are hardline no i only play call of duty or no i only play yeah. battlefield yeah but at the end of the day I, I think like i was saying before for most of us as casual players we just pick up a game because it's fun and you can have yeah. multiple games in the same genre so yeah, yeah the whole argument about oh it's like star citizen yeah brilliant there's 
half a dozen space-based games out there at the minute. Yeah. But this is a different take on it. It's a different developer, a different publisher. We'll get something different, and I'm sure it'll be enjoyable just as much as these other games are as well. I also think that I think Starfield is probably the closest game to Star Citizen that there has been for a very long time. Even No Man's Sky, I don't even think is that close to Star Citizen, but I think with particularly the things that they showcase during this Starfield Direct, we've got some very similar aspects that are, as I said, there's lots of crossovers. One game is doing one thing that the other isn't, and vice versa, and I love that. And I am going to pick it up, and I'm going to still play Star Citizen, because I want to play both. Best right, of both worlds. Spice of life. Yes. One of the first things we notice with this Direct is you got a little companion robot droid. Which apparently is inspired by the Mars rover, but they've kind of elongated it and made it more, well, robot-y. <laughs> I think yeah, it looks that pretty cool. Sold me. That yeah. alone has sold me on it. <laughs> so, well, they have said it's an exploration-focused RPG, but you can do with that as you will. You can you can choose to, to be stealthy or shoot people, or, you know, you can basically do whatever you want, really, which is great. I'm all for that. The one thing that sold me was the building of the ships, the ship customization, the ships are modular. Oh my god. That was the one thing that I was like, yep, I'm pre-ordering that. <laughs> I'm pre-ordering it yet, but I will do the, the, the modular yeah, it... ships aspects. This has obviously been a thing in Star Citizen that we are promised with certain ships and does happen with some ships, but it isn't fully implemented yet. But this looks really cool, you know? It'll be interesting to see how that works. Uh, and I bet people will start sharing builds online as soon as oh, it yeah. comes out. Yeah, because it will be really awesome to kind of see um, all these customizations because you can build it exactly how you want, which is really cool. The silly builds will be fun to see as well. Oh, yeah. It, it mean, always happens. The, the devs kind of showcased that someone did animals out of it. They tried to do um, uh, animals out of their ships and someone did, right. uh, I think it was uh, Optimus Prime that they basically made out of it. Amazing. Um, Amazing. So that, that that was cool. So you can basically do anything you want with your with your ship. There's going to be over a thousand planets. It's going to be procedural generating. So that's going to be interesting to kind of have. So what they're saying with that is my experience on on a specific planet will be completely different if you Joe went to the exact same planet and your your experience would be different. I, I like that. You know, it's it's more random despite it being a single player game. Our experience is going to be completely different. That is quite interesting, actually. Wow, yeah, that's that's going to be incredible. I mean, just think about it in terms of replayability. Yeah. You know, I mean, again, I've had probably a dozen different starts to Skyrim. Mm. And, and, you know, yeah, they're, they're all the same. Even if you try and play something different each time, largely it's still the same. Mm. This is going to change that up so much i mean yeah sure it's only the planets that are changing but for me it feels like that experience you have interacting with various planets is going to be a large part of it so yeah it's going to totally change the story when you go back in each time yeah really cool idea i mean i've not really i've not really played skyrim or any bethesda game before so this is going to be my kind of first experience in what people refer to as uh, the the bug fest <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh you're so, gonna love it so we also saw a piece on dogfighting. If you're familiar to games like Star Wars Squadron, Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, you'll know we manage different power to different systems. So weapons, engines, shield management, that's going to be a thing 
in your ships when you're controlling your ships. So when you're dogfighting or even when you're just cruising around exploring. So that's going to be a thing that's going to be in there, which I think is quite cool. I think some other people were surprised to see that they'd put that in. So I'm happy with that. I'm used to that system in Star Citizen. So I'm happy to have that thing in Starfield as well. Talking of systems, you can target specific systems on a ship um, when you're fighting them. So you can shut it down the way that you want so that you, you could target their, I don't know what they're calling it in this game, but they're basically their hyperdrive in able to jump. You know, I would say that would be yeah. a priority so they don't jump away. So you couldn't, you know, but this is available through a skill in their skill tree, that kind of more RPG element, isn't it? So that's only available if you have that skill. Uh, but also what I think is cool is if you disable a ship, you can board it or destroy it. So you can choose to destroy it or you can board it. And if you board it, you've got to take out everybody and then basically take it over. And it's yours to keep if you wish. And you can upgrade it. You can change it how you, you would with any other ship. But you need to take it back to, I believe, one of the shipyards to do that. So that's quite interesting to have. I think, taking over ships and basically having your own fleet without paying for new ships. That's cool. That is cool, but I also like the idea of being able to take it back and strip it for part. Mm, yeah. Just yeah. take the whole thing apart and go, what is useful to me? Mm, yeah. As well as vehicle and shipbuilding, there's, there's base building as well. So it's going to be just as modular as shipbuilding. So we actually got to see a bit of the actual building in progress as gameplay. It's an isometric top-down view on the out on the exterior. In my opinion, that makes it a lot easier. And then you go first person for the interior. So from what I saw from the gameplay, you can see that it's almost the Sims level interior designing. You you basically get to design everything where everything is placed, every piece okay. of furniture and all that kind of stuff. So it looks really cool. They've also also boasted about the best character creation from Bester I've ever made. So you can choose your own background, so where you come from. They've listed a bunch of them um, in the gameplay elements. So it's quite interesting that you can choose your own background and kind of be like, yeah, this is this is uh, where I've come from. Whether you're somebody like a, I think one of them was maybe your background was a thief or your background was in the military or something. So stuff okay. like that, I think that's quite interesting to have. It'll be interesting to see if that actually affects the story as well. Yeah, I think it will with, I think the initial interactions right at the start of the game, I think that will affect it, but we'll have to wait and see. Mm. Yeah, I talked about the skill tree earlier, and they have an expansive skill tree, five different trees, so they've got physical, social, combat, science, and tech, and you can spec into any of these. So it's leveled out of challenges and XP, so you do those challenges, and you'll get a level within that skill, and there are four ranks per skill. So they've really fleshed out this kind of skill tree system, which I think is is really cool. It does remind me of the Payday 2 skill tree, actually, a little bit. Um, it, oh, yeah. That sort of kind of level, because you had all the categories, and then you had different levels of, of each, each skill that you could spec into, but you only had a specific amount of points. I don't know if we have a limited amount of points, so we can only go so far, or will it be completely... Uh, full. I'm hoping it'll be completely full and won't restrict us too much because that means we get to build how we how we want. Which goes on to my next point. We get to specialize in anything that we want. If you want to specialize in stealth, you can do that. Melee, combat veteran. You can suit it however you want to play. And you can do that with all the, the weapon attachments as well. And as per a classic RPG, your choices affect your experience and interactions. And romance is available, because why wouldn't it? I mean, it is in the Fallout and Sky, uh, Elder Scrolls series, so... Okay, Yeah, cool. that's definitely... Right. Uh, especially with the skill trees as well, it's something they're kind of known for, so it's, it's nice to see that come back, and it'll be interesting to see again kind of what they do with that for 
this space-focused game. Yeah, and another feature is something that we know is going to be happening in Star Citizen, probably not anytime soon, but you can recruit crew members for your ship from exploration and finding new characters around the world. Um, and they can look after your ship. You can assign them to an outpost because you get these outposts and kind of buildings and you can, um, and based on their traits, because every every one of these NPCs have all these traits, that can affect how the outpost goes. The fact that you can recruit your members and all that kind of stuff to be in your ship, which is, I think, yeah. is really cool. So combat. Combat was the one thing that really didn't convince me last year at E3. It looked really bad, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, so I wasn't convinced on it. But really, really, it seems to be really polished up. Gunplay looks good. Uh, weapons are all customizable. And the really cool thing is gravity affects combat. You, If you fire with a with bullets because obviously there's different types there's there's laser weapons as well you fire right. it will push you back in zero grav oh that's a nice touch it's subtle but it's something that i'm all for oh yes yeah like that it's it's such a subtle thing but it's also something that seems to get overlooked yeah definitely so, definitely yeah that's cool they've mentioned that there's plenty of places to explore and visit there was kind of these kind of satellite bases uh, above planets and stuff which should look pretty cool to just explore because you can just explore places if you want to you don't have to go just go story you could just explore wherever you want and you can dock with a battleship if you want you can dock with a cruise ship you can walk around these ships you can interact with the the crew and everything so i think that's quite cool and again you can recruit somebody from these ships that you've docked onto and um recruit them to your own crew and stuff that's that's pretty cool to do i think that'll be very cinematic and very cool to do just to dock with another ship i think that's just a cool concept in general yeah i mean that's that's something that i i like about space games that i've played in the past or space focused games yeah that that interaction with other ships so yeah it'd be cool to see again how that plays out with various different classes of ships and uh yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's an exciting thing for me yeah and of course it wouldn't be a space game without mining and crafting obviously that's included and they also mentioned about factions so there's gonna be different factions throughout the the universe and you can you can join them or you can take them down your choice um so that's quite cool so you can align yourself or be like nah i'm interested to see how that works yeah because you can join and affect different groups uh certainly in skyrim and i know it's a thing in fallout as well mm. but not necessarily take them down they still exist in one mm. form or another yeah. uh it'll be nice to see whether because of the way that it would generate different planets and stuff we can just knock out an entire group yeah be interested to see if you uh if you knocked out an entire group or even joined a group and did some stuff for them whether it would affect how your well basically your reputation or reputation level around yeah. the other factions whether it would increase or reduce for example a rival faction if you took their rival faction down you'd be completely in favor with them because they'll be like you took our rivals down you are more than welcome here <laughs> Stuff like that. Do they also, oh, also, just off the back of that, do they move in and fill that vacuum? Hmm. I'll be interested or to see. Yeah. Ideas. I love it. So, the way that travel's going to be is you can fast travel to these planets through a star map. Unfortunately, it's not going to be like Star Citizen, but landing, takeoff, it's a cutscene. You can't go from planet into space. Real shame. Um, obviously, that's something that Star Citizen has that this doesn't. That you know we can enjoy in that way in that game i'm sure they might find a way to do it but it might be a bit taxing so i think that might be the the reason why and i think it's the same with traveling to these different planets they kind of hide it in a cut scene but we know it's a cut scene but it's still it's seamless anyway so 
hey, I'm, I'm not going to be kind of complaining, really. I feel that like that's probably a cut they've had to make to focus more on the character gameplay. I mean, everybody knows what Star Citizen is like some of the time, so... I think for definitely saving frames, it's um, definitely a good idea. Uh, and they've also said they've got a new global animation system and new animation system, so that's that's quite good. In fact, I heard a rumor that they um, got the Doom devs involved in some of the, the new animations and illumination oh. to help them out with it. So that's quite cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's that's Starfield. I'm excited for it. Uh, yeah, I me really too. Am. Yeah. So it's a really cool concept. So it'd be nice to see. Uh, nice to see how that develops and I'm, I'm excited to play it. September 6th is when we get to have that. In all the games that I'm excited for, that's the first one that uh, will be available to me. Another one I'm incredibly excited for is City Skylines 2. We got an announcement trailer a few months ago and I was incredibly excited. Uh, we get this on October 24th, we have a date now. And again, it's it's a fairly cheap game, you can get it $41.99. That's really good. Yeah, yeah. There is an Ultimate Edition as well, and that's I think roughly 70, yeah, it's 74 pounds is that upgraded version. Again, it's gonna be on Game Fast. What I found out about this game is lots of the mods that we have for City Skylines have been incorporated into it, which is really, really good really good of them to do that because there have been things that are just frustrating that modders have been like yeah i'm gonna fill that gap but now it's in the base game so now they're really challenging the modders and i'm interested to see you know what more they have so they mentioned that everything was captured in game in my opinion oh, it's, wow. a, it's an amazing render especially I, far, far in the distance i didn't realize that was all in-game footage so that's incredible so the trailer from xbox was obviously in-game footage um obviously mm. there was the cinematic one which was the announcement one which i don't think was i think that was just a cinematic one but the latest yeah. one that was all in game and it looks That's incredible. Really cool. Yeah. One of the things I noticed is I'm wondering if there's a life cycle for trees because we saw some we saw some both dead and alive trees. I thought, do they do they grow? We also saw some smaller trees, some bigger trees. I'm wondering if they've got some sort of life cycle in. We know there's going to be seasons in City Skylines 2 now. So I'm wondering if they go with the seasons as well. Um, mm. So that's very cool. Gas station as well. I'm not sure if gas stations were auto-generated in City Skylines 1. I know there were mods for them, but I didn't really notice them when I was going through my cities. Um, so, I, you know, I think they're more automatically being generated now with all these things kind of attached to roads and stuff and actually seeing them go in for petrol and, and gas and all that kind of stuff. So that will be interesting to see because as far as I know, all I saw my, the cars doing was they had infinite fuel for a while. I saw uh, in City yeah. Lines, so I think it's going to be a nice kind of iteration to see them going in, filling up, going out again. They've also revamped roundabouts. Now, they had roundabouts, they had a... I mean, there was a roundabout mod as well. I'm going to get to roundabouts in it, uh, later on as well, because it was part of their little dev diary that they, that they posted. Okay. But it, it looks really good how they're doing the new roundabouts. There was a templated roundabout, but it was very big. It was a very big templated one. Um, so it, it, it's not like the ones that we're used to, the mini roundabouts here in the UK. It wasn't like that, that template yeah. Skylines one. The only way to do that was to have the roundabouts mod, um, which was incredibly useful. There's going to be new bridges, four types of bridges, in fact. I believe that, that they that we saw uh, so that's kind of be interesting obviously we do have bridges i think you had to kind of to get more types of bridges you kind of had to mod it a bit 
And, and what was very interesting is roads were closer together. Usually when you're trying to snap or have a road near another kind of junction or intersection, it was very fiddly to try and get it exactly where you want. But it looks like it's a bit more lenient this time. So you can get roads a little bit closer together if you want to. So I think that's, that's cool. going to be a lot better. Obviously, with the new graphics, there's new reflections with the water. Look really good. No, still have similar terrain tools, what we're used to. That's good. Um, I didn't really have a, a huge issue on those. Now, one thing I noticed on the UI was it said 167 tiles. So obviously, this is all split. See, guys, this is split into tiles. You buy more land to expand your city. But here's also the thing. You're only limited to, is it 10? Or something it was very low by default and there was a mod called 81 tiles which expanded it to you guessed it 81 tiles but it said 167 tiles and i'm thinking that's a very odd number so i'm thinking 170 180 maybe 200 tiles are we gonna get that much if we are i'm all for it huge cities Yes, please. Yeah, that definitely seems like a random number. I would expect a, probably a more rounded number uh, for, for the release. Yeah, definitely. Right, so in terms of the UI, kind of going into it a little bit, we see there's a Seasons UI with the weather and temperature. Obviously, temperature was also a thing in City Skylines 1, but it's kind of nice to see what the weather is at the moment in your city specifically because all City Skylines 1 did was it rained every so often and then the rain went away and then it came back rinse and repeat so we'll be interested to see because obviously we've seen snow in these trailers as well so what i noticed about the road tools as well there's a grid tool usually you'd have to do grids manually but it looks like they've made a tool for you to literally make grids as an entire tool which will make it so much easier making grids that is really really cool it's What's good that it gives you that as an option yeah uh, what we also noticed with the UI was there are seven snapping options. There was not seven snapping options before. So that's going to be good when trying to snap um, roads and, and things like that together. So, yeah. So when you're placing the roads UI, you get a bit more information. So you get the cost it's going to have, the length, the angle, and the height as well. So all those kind of things. And what I did notice as well, mini roundabouts, they are a thing in City Skylines. Very cool. Very, very, that's very cool. cool. That's, that's not something I've seen a city builder game tackle before. No. So that's okay. a that's a nice inclusion. And what I saw was there are three levels, three different types of residential demand. Three levels of residential. And I'm thinking there's low and then there's high in City Skylines 1. And then there's like offices. But that's more commercial. So I was like, they've added a new type of residential. <laughs> but that's, that's that demand. Is. That was demand because then we further saw there were six sorts, six, six different types of residential. Six. Oh. I want to know what they are. I want to know what they are. There are themes for buildings. There's a UI toggle, which could be toggle between the EU, EU and US. We've had themes before, but they were more kind of modded stuff that people did mods for. But now it, there's kind of a European style and then there's an American style, which is quite a nice just to kind of skip between. I, I wonder if that ties into the six types of residential. Mm, maybe. If it's something to do with a regional thing, or the other idea I had was whether it's like a historical or modern yeah, type thing. Maybe. Maybe. Offices are now purple. Now, purple really was associated with tourism. So I wonder if they've changed that, but that's a different aspect. Because um, offices were uh, kind of baby blue, cyan blue, 
Okay. But now it's purple, so that's an interesting change. It's also interesting kind of detail was the funds. The funds that you got were usually per week that you got at the bottom, saying you have this many per per week. But now it's saying per hour, so you're getting money more often, which is quite interesting. They also have a parallel mode, which I was guessing was to do with having something further or closer parallel to each other. Wasn't quite sure to what it was kind of um, aiming at that parallel mode, but it seemed a new interesting tool and mode to have. So that's quite good. Uh, what was also very interesting was building upgrades from a main building. So a coal plant in City Skylands 1, you just plop down a coal plant, that was it. Um, if you needed more electricity, you'd have to plop down another one. But this seems right. it has upgrades. So if you do run out of electricity, you can just go for another one, another one, and another one uh, in terms of upgrades. So that's good. Same with university. They did revamp universities in City Skylands 1 to kind of do that upgrade system. So you can plot stuff in, in the areas around it. But I think it's more integrated into there. So it's a little bit easier. Um, so that's okay. quite good. And there's also going to be operating districts. So you can determine, let's say you have a school and you can say this school can be operating in just this district or this district, this district and this district. So when you put districts down, can determine what it is its operating district. That just gives you just so much more control, doesn't it? Yeah. And something that's new. Got snapping options to buildings. Usually it was quite automatic and just kind of one kind of way. But now I think we've got, again, more control over snapping to buildings. And like having more control over controlling where everything is, we have control, more control and more detail of stats. So we've got cargo stats. So I think it was showing a freight train. So it was showing the, the tons per month that it was having and how many routes it had and all that kind of thing. Okay. So that, that sort of thing. And the ticket price per line, I think it was overall that we had it before, not per line. So you can actually determine ticket oh. price per line now so that's interesting that's quite good and there's an added level of education level that we notice in the user interface as well what well, they have put some effort in is it is the pollution so we've got more details on whether it's traffic air pollution wind and it gives the speed and direction of it all so we can really thin down what the problems are with our city and fix them what's really cool is wood grows back with forestry as you would expect but it's now a thing, so that's cool to have. A bit more realism in there. And there are also specialised industry hubs and areas and all that kind of stuff, so that's quite quite good. And the smoke is actually going to be going into the corrected wind direction, where the wind's going. So depending on the wind direction, if it changes, the smoke direction will change as well. So I think that's really cool. That's really a nice little detail there. It's just a little touch, but yeah. yeah. Snow top buildings as well. Oh, okay. So that's going to be cool. And it snows as well. Uh, very, very nice. Now, that was everything from the trailer. More recently, there was a feature highlight telling you all about these new features. And the, today's one was all to do with road tools. So here is some really juicy information for you. All roads, apart from highways, carry water, electricity, and sewage lines. My mind is blown. No more manually, manually putting in all these sewage lines and wiring up electricity it comes with the road how cool is oh, that so i assume now you just have to hook it into for example your power plant or yeah. your yeah. sewage because before you had to go into underground mode lay out all the pipes all that kind of stuff but now they come with the roads that just makes it so much easier right. yeah i mean i again i've not played a lot of city skylines but from videos and stuff i've watched yeah people just tend to follow the road network anyway 
So that's exactly what I do. Uh, now the tool modes. So we've got a straight road tool, a simple curve, a complex curve, a continuous as well. So that means just keep just do, doing curves again and again and again. Grid and then replace. So obviously grid is new. Replace is a little bit different from the upgrade tool. We'll get to that in a second. So they've said in this is you can create city blocks in literally three clicks with the grid tool. That's going to make it so much easier to, to place grids for, for city skylines. That's going to be really cool. That's a real time saver. Yeah, because you had to do it manually. Bridges and tunnels in a few clicks as well. Uh, I think they're just trying to reduce and increase that user experience and just, you know, make sure that uh, we're doing stuff in the least amount of clicks as possible. Yeah. Now, here's an interesting thing. Intersections. So I mentioned this earlier and now it's been confirmed. Placement rules are less restrictive and you can use pre-made intersections or as we say, junctions uh, for new or existing roads. So I suppose we can replace an intersection with a new pre-made one, which is pretty cool. And then they went on to talk about roundabouts. So roads are configured automatically. You drop a roundabout over an existing intersection and the game does the rest. So you press it down on a, let's say a, a traffic light intersection and it will automatically turn it into a roundabout with a click of a button. Oh. I think it will automatically do all the, the traffic flow and stuff. We had, there was a roundabout mod, as I've mentioned. We've had to manually do things like speed limit on them uh, manually through this mod. And the way that City Skylines 1 worked was really strange. So I had to manually set up, when I made a roundabout, I had to say, okay, that's that's give way that's continuous basically work at how the roundabouts should work in real life particularly here in the uk yeah you know we had to kind of manually do that it sounds like the game does it automatically which is very very cool you also get to decide the direction of the traffic how it flows by placing traffic lights crosswalks directional no turn traffic signs and stop signs pretty standard but um i think it's more of a i think automatically the we had traffic lights put in and you could toggle it between traffic lights and stop sign but now it looks like we've got a little bit more choice now which is quite good we can also construct sound barriers and parking lots parking lots was definitely a mod i don't think it was a thing at all in city skylines automatically there was obviously car parts in relation to if a commercial building was built it would also build a parking lot with it but I don't think it would have a standard, there wouldn't be a standalone one. So this is really cool. Again, another mod being incorporated into base cities skylines. Uh, and obviously the decorative touches for appearance at the sound barriers, basically your trees worked as before, but just a reiteration and also reduces noise pollution. I talked about th this new replace tool. It's basically same as the upgrade tool, but it, there's, they said there's more freedom to refine their road. They didn't expand on that, but it looked like you can uh, definitely be a bit more uh, refined with your choice of what to replace and expand from it and all that kind of stuff. And that is everything new and all everything to do with City Skylines 2 coming October 24th. And now we move on to Ubisoft Forward because we're going back to Star Wars Outlaws for the gameplay trailer. And this is a bit of a mix of their gameplay trailer because they actually did a breakdown. So I watched the gameplay trailer and the devs did a breakdown through this exact same gameplay trailer and told us more information. So mm -hmm. our little pet is called Nyx and it is a Murkwal. That's its species. The planet that we're on is Moon of Tashara, I think. That's how you pronounce it. I go um, to Shara. Moon of Tashara. That's the location we have. I, I think that's a new location that we've never been to before. Uh, it doesn't ring a bell. I'm no, not familiar with no. it. So Nyx is your companion. And what Nyx can do is Nyx can interact, attack, and distract. 
etc. All right, we see in the gameplay that it goes to, I think it presses a lever, doesn't it? And so it does that sort of thing with interacting with the world. What I thought was really cool is Nick's can fetch a fallen enemy's weapon. So we see this in action. Yeah, I like that. We, we shoot at somebody, they drop a weapon, and then you can instruct Nick to say, can you grab that weapon for me? And it brings it to you. It's so cool. Just on that, I noticed in the trailer that the weapon that Nick's brought over was just fully automatic and just fired it like mad until it overheated. Yeah. I wonder if it's going to be a set animation for weapons that you pick up, or if it will just let you use it as a weapon until you, I don't know, run out of ammo or overheat or whatever. I would like it to give us the freedom, but it doesn't really it doesn't really make it clear in the trailer i didn't think so I, anyway. had, I had a feeling it's going to be a limited time use thing i have a feeling yeah but is it going to be a you pick it up and then you are forced to fire it off immediately mm. or can you just hold on to it for a second sort yeah. yourself out and then then fire it uh, yeah. who knows who knows and we'll we'll, we'll know later on. To see more yeah. on that yeah. Obviously, they had to have some sort of mechanic with being not just a shooter. The blaster has modules that can be applied or upgraded, which is pretty cool. Interesting to see what sort of modules we can apply to this kind of blaster. I suppose if we one of them could be single fire mode, full auto, that sort of thing would be a basic one that we can have. That'll be pretty yeah. cool. We also saw a speeder mechanics. So just like in the actual trailer, we see we see her riding it and taking out two speeder bikes with her blaster so there's that kind of combat mechanic when you're on a speeder bike which is quite cool so you've got the shooting from from driving or in this case as it's a bike riding they next mentioned about a reputation system a wanted system as well so you've got a reputation system like cyberpunk you've got a wanted system like gt5 and red dead redemption we saw this in the gameplay you did an action, it actually decreased your reputation with one other faction and then obviously we've got the wanted system so it can go up higher you know you get more resistance you're gonna get but they've they've said you can always escape or lower the level which i think is quite good this wanted system very nice can you imagine if something like jedi survivor had that that would add a whole oh whole more level of difficulty and one of the outposts that we go to is johnson's hope uh is one of the settlement uh, settlements on the on the moon uh, and obviously you can do jobs and favors for factions so kind of more like little side missions and stuff kind of a bit more like an rpg not just solely story focused and you can make your own choices there are player choices we, we saw a choice in action you know the rpg elements that we would expect from an rpg for an rpg uh, star wars game which is it's quite good now the ship that she drives is called the trailblazer and is based off the 850 light freighter for those people that know their their star wars ships and are interested to, to see what it's basically based off yeah so, i think that's a new one i'm not familiar with that one uh but it it does look good as a ship quite like it looks interesting definitely looks like a scandal smuggler ship to me talking of ships there is a planet to space it seems like it's a seamless transition a bit like what we talked about with starfield earlier it seems to be a uh, loading screen hidden by the look of it but it does look quite seamless so when we looked at the ship we also had a look some some dog fighting so we've got dog fighting so that's cool it's not just you traveling in a ship like in fallen order or jedi survivor you actually get to control the ship and all that kind of thing so that's cool exploration and there's discovery and all this everything else in space so i quite like that it's it's, it's almost taking like elements from starfield combining it with and star citizen and combining it with uh, jedi survivor i think that's really cool yeah i was gonna say i'm seeing some overlap with starfield there in terms of how they're gonna play uh, yeah. i'm sure it will feel like a very different experience 
experiences, but it yeah. sounds quite similar. That is all the information we have on Star Wars Outlaws. It's coming next year in 2024. I'm very interested to see what massive entertainment have for us. The final game for the Xbox and Ubisoft showcases. This is a game I've recently been playtesting in Phase 4. So I've technically already played the game early. This is the Crew Motorfest. I'm a big fan of the Crew. I played the Crew 1, I've played the Crew 2, and I playtested the Crew Motorfest. I can't tell you what I experienced. There are some things I'm about to mention that I did experience, but I'm not going to say what, because that would be breaching my NDA. Do you know how long my NDA lasts? Bear in mind that the release date is 14th of September this year. Do you know how long, Joe? Uh, you told me about this and I've forgotten, but it's ridiculous. <laughs> five years. I can't talk about playtests for five years. What a joke. By the time that I can talk about this playtest, the new crew game is probably going to be in... Uh, you know, announced. So, what do we know about the crew to, uh, Motorfest? We know it's featured in Hawaii instead of being fully in the US. We have players list themes events. This isn't anything new. Forza Horizon does it. In fact, the crew has been doing it for a while, I think. Playlist themes events. So, what they showed was a Japanese focused one. So, you were in, you get to drive things like a Supra or a 90s uh, Honda NSX or a Mazda RX-7, all the sort of uh, cars you'd expect in maybe Fast and Furious, all those kind of things. So that's quite good. Their cover car is the new Lamborghini Revuto, if that's how you pronounce it. I don't know. Um, there's also, they also mentioned uh, that there's going to be some vintage classics. I think that's going to be playlist as well. It's quite interesting. It's funny, with the, with the cinematic trailer, it actually, when it got to the vintage classics, it actually put, I don't know if, you, I don't know if you've watched the trailer, Joe, but it actually put on a uh, this vintage tint on uh, over the screen as we went to the vintage yes. classics, and then it went back to the more modern kind of tint. So I, I that, forgot that, but you're absolutely right. I thought that was a so cool kind of kind of feature. So that mm. was quite good, um, and obviously it features off-road and on-road vehicles uh, because we're on the Hawaii island. It's got a bunch of uh, it's got some city areas. It's got a whole bunch of it's got forest areas. You know, all, a whole range of things, a bit like Forza Horizon. We also have a feature of electric cars. We've got F1 cars on a track. And I can't tell you about this, but there's a really cool feature to do with track racing that I cannot wait to mention. But because it's part of the playlist, I can't tell you. But <laughs> it's made me <laughs> quite excited to do stuff. But yeah, they featured the Red Bull new F1 car, so you can drive that in-game. It's a car that you can buy and you can drive, so they unveiled that as well, so that's quite good. And, and with the Japanese-themed events, as I mentioned earlier, there's things like the neon lights there's, there's, uh, and the roads and the dragons, so they've kind of put the, the vibe of all these different car cultures in these playlists, and you play through them and all that kind of stuff. So that's all coming 14th of September. 2023. There are five games, Joe, that I'm interested in. All basically all the games we've talked about today. And the funny thing is, the release dates, they need to have a big day of meeting about this. Come on. Because in September, for three weeks straight, I have one game a week releasing. I then have a little gap. And in October, I have one releasing. And then the next week, another releasing. Can we spread them out, please? I'm going to have no time. I'm going to be streaming all these games, by the way. So I'm going to be very busy rotating games constantly every week. <laughs> yeah, well, you're going to have to stream five days a week. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
Absolutely. You're also going to have to sell your soul uh, to buy every single uh, game. Uh, I've I've budgeted everything already. I can buy everything. That's the great oh thing. God. I've budgeted everything. Oh, beautiful. That's nice. Yes. Exciting time. Um, Absolutely. All of them are ones that I want to pick up, but there's certainly a few in there that interest me. Certainly Starfield, Star Wars Outlaws. I, I kind of like the sound of the crew. Mm. Uh, I played the first and the second game. Not much of them, but I played mm. a little bit. Yeah. I like the sound of the new Forza as well. Yeah, there's there's some good stuff in there. Yeah. I'm excited to see more of them as well. And of course, if you're ever unsure of any of these games, I'm going to be streaming all these anyway, so, you know. Oh yeah, I'll certainly come and watch it. Don't yeah. worry about that. Yeah. I want to talk about Space Marine 2. Hmm. So, anyone who has been a fan of Familiar Force for a while will know Warhammer has a very special place in my heart, Warhammer 40k especially. I love it, I love the tabletop game, and I love the video games that they've put out over the years as well. Space Marine was probably one of my all-time favourite games. Uh, it's definitely up there in probably the top top five at least. So yeah, I'm very excited that Space Marine 2 is coming. Uh, they have slowly been teasing things. They've kept saying it's coming out this year, and I think they announced it at the end of last year. So we've been waiting for news for a while, and... Not much is being given to us, but recently they dropped a new trailer, which is the multiplayer reveal trailer. This went out on the 8th of June, or around about the 8th of June, I think it was, which confirmed firstly that we're getting multiplayer, which was not some, uh, sorry, multiplayer co-op campaign, I should specify. Not something we got in the first Space Marine. So mm. that's a nice addition. Uh, you always had this kind of... 90% of the game you had this three-man team of Space Marines and you played Captain Titus. Now you have Lieutenant Titus with two Space Marines that are following him. It looks like we're going to be able to play three-man co-op. That's really exciting. That's a nice development, something I'm looking forward to. But and here's the interesting part. At the end of the trailer, they confirm Space Marine 2 is coming this winter, which is the first time we've got an actual time confirmed other than 2023. Mm. Again, it's still a bit of a, a window, but I reckon it will come around December time. Yeah. Um, but the the co-op trailer looks amazing. It gives us more gameplay, uh, which, again, is very exciting. I'm so ready for it. I'm so ready to jump in, play a massive, absolute beast of a, a, a man, and <laughs> go and stomp Tyranids. Just go and stomp and shoot bugs, because why not? Yeah. If I don't, they're going to eat my face. So, yeah, I'm, I'm so ready for it. It's... Um, yeah. Playing the first Space Marine, you just feel so powerful. Like there's a real feeling of that power they're playing as this this absolute unit of a warrior. I'm I'm so ready to get back at, at that. Just looking at the the article that was put out by Warhammer Community at the time as well, uh, they've also confirmed there's going to be a boxed game, uh, like a tabletop game, to coincide with the release of Space Marine 2. This is the first time we've got a model of Captain Titus, or now. Lieutenant or Lieutenant, depending on where you're from. Only coming out in the US, though. So, my US friends, if you're able to pick up a copy and send it my way, I'll love you forever, because I've always wanted a model of Titus. But yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. They've said they're going to share more later this year, so again, with that w winter window, I'm hoping we'll start to get drip-fed bits of information about the game now, but... Oh, Tom, I'm so excited for this. Mm. I don't know if you've watched the trailer yet. I have. Looks interesting. I, you know, I've said this to you before, you know, I haven't played Warhammer games at all. I know a bunch of people that, that have played it and enjoy it, so this looks good for, for you guys, especially if you, by looking on the page, cash out on the Collector's Edition, because oh my goodness me, you get a lot, don't you? 
Look yeah, at that. I Look at that statue. At Look at that I, statue. <laughs> I looked at it and was like, mm, can I justify it? Mm. But oh god, it's expensive. Yeah, I bet it is. I bet it is. £229.99. Yeah, ouch. I'm very excited about this game, as you can probably tell. Yes, yes. This also coincides quite nicely, and this leads on to my next point, with the release of 10th edition of Warhammer 40k. 10th edition technically releases on the 24th of June, so this coming weekend as of recording. I say technically, last weekend, so the 10th of June, it went on pre-order with a limited release box called Leviathan. It comes with the new rulebook, comes with a load of new models, da da da, if you're interested obviously that was the box to get. However, that's a limited release and what they normally do after that is then do a starter box for the edition which you can pick up as long as that is useful. The starter box hasn't been announced yet mm. and with leviathan shipping out on saturday i managed to secure a copy thankfully i don't know if we're going to be the only ones that have the 10th edition rule book are we going to have to wait to play with people that didn't manage to pick up a copy i don't know how this is going to work and they've not really said anything about when the starter box is coming so i'm a little bit confused about what's going on there i mean the the the, the launch of leviathan has been a little bit touch and go as well games workshop has confirmed it as their biggest release ever they've produced the most amount of boxes of this Tom, for your benefit and for anyone who's mm -hmm. not familiar that's listening, they normally do a launch box, which is a limited run. Uh, you get some unique poses of certain models. And then later on down the line, they do a, a standard sort of release box that anyone can pick up and, and last throughout the edition. However, being what it is and with a limited release, it usually sells out quite quickly, as we know from, from various games and stuff over the years. I'm excited for Leviathan. Like I say, I, I was lucky enough to get a copy of it i'm looking forward to the new models they are yeah. incredible i'm hoping i'll get someone to play tyranids with me and then we'll i can smash tyranids on the tabletop as well all right <laughs> that's all of my gaming news tom i have one tech thing to go mm. over with you yeah as you remember last month we talked about the discord name update yes uh, that was coming that has obviously started now and I don't have anything to link us to to show you here. This is things that I've heard people share from various servers and people that they've spoken to. So the rollout itself was obviously a phased rollout. Anyone who uses Discord will know. Some people it for others. What we understood at the time was it was going to be based on the time that you uh, signed up to Discord. We later found out that it would be Nitro first and then non-Nitro members that would update theirs. Fine, that works. However, it doesn't seem to have rolled out in that way. The date thing where they would go from the earliest accounts on doesn't seem to have happened. I have heard who signed up after me and got their name changed before me. They didn't have Nitro, I don't have Nitro, so it's not like that was the issue. But yeah, for some reason, some accounts got it, some didn't. Some people had to wait longer beyond the time they should have got it. Um, I know a guy who signed up for Discord the exact same day as me, and yet I didn't get my name update until a few days after him. And I know there's probably a lot of people that signed up at the time, it was around about when Discord launched but I would still expect it to be closer together than a few days. So yeah, it's it's a little bit touch and go. On the other side as well, uh, obviously people have been updating their names, people have been trying to secure names, a number of people have lost names that they've had for a number of years now. However, what I've also seen going around and is a little bit frustrating, um, is people are trying to get accounts banned that have taken a name 
that they had at one point. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen about this as well, yeah. Yeah, so there, there seems to be people trying to make a coordinated effort going, hang on, this was my name, I've used it for so long, but someone else has secured it. Go and report their account, and they're finding whatever... Uh, I can't remember what the reason was now, but there's a reason that if you report it, it doesn't get reviewed. They just get enough reports and they ban the account. Oh. And people are trying to tell people to use this ban method. It's just scummy. Like, yeah, okay, it sucks that you lost out on it. And it, it's frustrating that they've changed the naming system, but guys, come on. It's not the way to deal with it. It's it's childish and it's just not on. Do you know what I mean? You, you're going to disrupt communities. You're going to break people apart. It's just not fair on anyone. Oh, there was one other thing as well with the Discord name rollout. Uh, I think it has been fixed now, so don't quote me on this one. But there was an issue for a while as well where if you updated your name, and then decided to change it to something else, which a few people have done recently. The previous name that you reserved stayed reserved. Ah. Yeah, so you updated it to Fred, and then you went, actually, I want to be Fred Plays Games. Well, Fred was still reserved, so no one else could then change <laughs> to that. <laughs> I, think okay, it is, yeah. I think it has been fixed now. I think Discord obviously realised that that was an issue and released names. But yeah, it's just obviously something to be uh, to be wary of. Uh, that's it. Uh, that's what I've got for Discord. Tom, I think you had one more. Yes, I'm gonna talk about Twitch. Twitch has been yet again not in creators' favourable books. So this has been and gone by the time you're you're listening to this. But they added a branding content guidelines which restricted people having burned in ads. The logos had to be three percent of their their scale and this would screw up all these big creators that had all these sponsorships and all that because of all the big outcry they've now reverted this because clearly twitch are in financial trouble like come on we kind of know this they want to take more and more from creators so they're kind of doing all that they also updated the twitch monetized streamer agreement for affiliates and partners now if you're an affiliate like me and joe we didn't have to do anything if you're a partner you had to actually sign it within a year otherwise you'll get basically removed but one thing that they they did was before you could actually multi-stream there was a there was a there was a loophole if you weren't affiliate you could multi-stream but now they've sealed that completely you can't now no matter if you're affiliate or non-affiliate you can't multi-stream what i mean by multi-streaming is streaming on twitch at the same time as youtube or the new platform kick or whatever platform that you're on the only exception is a different type of content a different type of platform in terms of vertical so you can be an affiliate and stream to TikTok, Instagram, etc. vertically at the same time as Twitch. So that loophole has been sealed and basically saying your content is exclusive to Twitch and Twitch only. You can't multi-stream. Um, what they've sneaked into the monetized streamer agreement, which obviously me and Joe have to agree to, in terms of content programming. Now, this is a familiar term with someone like me who works in radio. Programming is just programming your content because you program your content. You basically are choosing what content you're putting out on Twitch, when you're putting it out, all that kind of stuff. But in this, which is section two, subsection two one, and it states this, you further agree to provide a consistent amount of live content, program quality live content, regularly interact with and engage viewers of your Twitch channel and respond to live viewers of your Twitch channel via Twitch chat. Now, most of that's okay, but the 
thing is, basically, Twitch can yeet you from the affiliate program if you don't program quality live content. What does the word quality mean to Twitch? Okay, so basically, yeah. if they don't think your stream is of good quality, they can say goodbye. You're out of affiliate. Bye bye. That that that's what that's how I've I've seen it to me. That, that that's what it is to me. Why is that in there? What defines as quality? This is Twitch again being very vague. So yeah, it's it's one of those things where Twitch has decided, yeah, we're gonna try and screw our creators over, even the small creators. But even more so, there's now a maintenance fee for exiting the affiliate program, $25. So, and this is if Twitch removes you, you have to pay it. If you remove yourself, you have to pay it. That's interesting. Yes, very. And um, I'm, ass I'm assuming it will come out of your payout, won't it? Uh, I would get. assume so. But, so this is what, this is where I find this interesting. So, fair enough. If they want to implement that for people who choose to leave, fine. It's their platform. They can do what they want, right? And people can obviously opt out before that comes into play. Yeah. People that they choose to remove, saying that they have to pay that, for a big streamer, not I'd bad. say that's not so much of a problem because they're not going to see that $25 here. Small, small streamers. This is the problem that I see, though. Let's say it's one of us that they decide to remove. Mm. And they say, we've got to pay this $25 exit fee. Well, I only get, what is it, the $50 paid like every six months or so? Yeah. So what if I've only got $5 in the pot? What, I've got to fork out 20, 20 quid to pay them? Yeah, I think so. And, and then what, I say no? You chose to remove me, you take the hit. Then where does it go? Because I can see a lot of people pushing back on it. You know, you've decided to remove me, why have I got to pay your maintenance fee? Don't remove me then. But yeah, it, it, I can see it hitting smaller creators who don't get that regular payout. Uh, because as you said, there's a lot of vagueness in in their rules and, and what they consider a quality stream. How, how do you maintain that? How do you keep Twitch happy? Because that's going to be the main thing, really, isn't it? Keep Twitch happy and you'll be safe. But Yeah, so... There's, there's, there's that been going around. Obviously, Kick is the new the new kid on the block with this so much better pricing um, for, for being paid. Um, it's got a 95 to 5 split versus Twitch's 50-50. YouTube is 70-30, so that is very, very good. Wow. But I have my reserves for, for Kick, mostly because it's owned by a gambling company called Stake. So, Lovely. Um, um, yeah, I'm... there's also there's also the problem on top of that that there's been a lot of attempts to make other streaming platforms over the years, and everyone has crumbled. Yeah, uh, people just cannot scratch what Twitch and YouTube have; they dominate the market. Yeah, one particularly comes into mind. It's called Mixer. Um... <laughs> this is the thing you can you can bring big streamers over onto your new platform, mm. try and draw up hype, but the problem you face is people don't necessarily want to move over. Yeah. Sure, you'll get some that are diehard fans of that creator and they have to keep watching them. Yeah. But most people are more so watching them because they're on that platform that they enjoy. Yeah. And uh, it's funny, Kick have, I don't know if you've heard, have done a deal with XQC, $100 million to move them over. I hope that doesn't blow up in their faces. So one of the things that Twitch is also doing is has introduced the Partner Plus program. This new Partner program it will offer a 70% share. So, same as YouTube, 70-30. So, this is on subscription revenue from recurring monthly subscriptions and gifted subs. Not from Prime. Um, I think they've uh, changed the gifted subs 
because it just used to be recurring monthly subscriptions and that's why those people were up in arms because they were thinking they have to be paid subscriptions to benefit to this because the requirements of this they'll have this share for 12 months up to a hundred thousand us dollars to qualify partners must maintain a sub count of at least 350 recurring pay subscriptions for three consecutive months. Once that happens, partners will be automatically enrolled in the next 12 months, even if you dip below the subscription threshold during the 12 month period. And if you have that consecutiveness, you know, on July, August, and September, you'll be able to get it when it launches on October 1st. Now, someone crunched the numbers on the 200, 350 recurring paid subscriptions. Do you know how many streamers out of the billions of streamers that stream on Twitch? Do you know how many, approximately, how many would be applicable for that? Absolutely no idea. Less than 1%. Roughly a thousand streamers. That's, that's, I mean, that's not a lot at all. I I will point out that partnership is a difficult milestone to reach. Um, partners already have a lot. This is partner plus. Remember, this is partner yeah. plus. Well, this is the thing though. The partner plus is obviously only going to apply to partners. Yeah. Which is already quite an exclusive club, and they already get a lot of benefits. They get invited to, to Twitch events, or some of them do anyway. Yeah. Uh, because of obviously the revenue that they bring in for for Twitch, but. You're right, this is going to be a very exclusive club. See, um, I, I, they shouldn't have done this. They should have revamped the main partner program. I honestly think that 70-30 should be just for the regular partners instead of this 50-50. I mean, we have 50-50, but also yeah. so do the partners. It doesn't make sense that we have 50-50 as affiliates and they have 50-50 at the same time. I mean, to me, they, they do obviously get other benefits. Doesn't make sense. They yeah. do obviously get other benefits over what we get, um, and they, they tend to get a lot more support as well. Yeah. Um, but you're right, they are the ones that are making the big bucks for Twitch and Amazon. I think it's still owned by Amazon, aren't they? Yeah. Yes, they're the ones that are bringing in the big bucks for them. It would be nice if they recognise that that is what the partners are doing, because, thinking about this a little bit more, Partner Plus might actually drive away partners. Yeah. Because they're not involved, which also might be why they've implemented a $25 leaving fee. But what would, have been, what would have been really cool is if, you know, as I said, the partners had that 70-30 split. Or even given affiliates like us a tiny, tiny bit more, like a 55-45 uh, split, um, 5% more, that would have been good. But they're not, they're probably not ever going to do that. I ever. doubt it for affiliates, but it would be nice to see yeah. some benefit for partners yeah. as well. Um, yeah. yeah, so... You know, this is why on my personal channel, I've recently come out with a complete content overhaul. Um, I'm expanding and diversifying my content for a reason. You know, I'm going to be streaming on YouTube once a month for the reason that I don't want to anchor myself to one platform because all this going on with Twitch and Kick and all this kind of stuff, introducing new things and potentially doubting stuff and all these streamers moving on, even as a small creator, I don't think it's a smart move me anchoring myself just to one platform because what if, just like Mixer, Twitch just goes just like that in a millisecond. What am I going to do? So yeah, I wanted to start, you know, just to test the waters. I'm not moving all the way over to YouTube, obviously, but I kind of want to see what YouTube is like from a stream perspective. I've not streamed from it before, so I want to have a go at it once a month so at least I'm semi-familiar. You know, a bit of expansion. Yeah. You know, I, I know me and you have said when, when we 
when we when it's come up with YouTube stream, we were like, ew, no, not YouTube streaming. But out of all the three platforms, I think YouTube is good. Everyone keeps saying it, it needs some improvement. I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it because I want to expand my content even further because even as affiliate, you know, we could get whacked out the affiliate program for a bollocks reason. Or... Yeah. Or the the service could go down completely. We don't know because if everyone's getting this this vibe of Twitch is running out of money, what's going to happen when they do run out of money? They're not going to keep it up, are they? So yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, it's definitely a concern. So yeah, and that is, I think, the conclusion of this mega and basically the uh, the Xbox and Ubisoft showcase special for our podcast. Definitely a longer one today. Well. Thank you for listening to us talk about everything fandom. Our next podcast will be this time next month in August. And if you want to updated, uh, stay updated rather when the next podcast is live, follow us on our socials. For our Discord links, they will be down in the podcast description. Please do go and check them out. Come and join us for the conversation. Uh, you can find myself on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash familiarforce. For Tom, you can find him on twitter.com forward slash maverickrng. We also bo- both make content over on Twitch and YouTube more twitch for myself but my twitch is twitch.tv forward slash familiar force and my youtube is youtube.com forward slash at familiar force 5889 for tom it's twitch.tv forward slash maverick rng and youtube is youtube.com forward slash at maverick rng if you enjoyed the podcast you can give us a follow a rating and a review on the podcasting platform of your choice but otherwise we will see you next time on the fandom's edge